Poirier Schwartz, along with my co-host Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. Each week we cover different topics important to the W, using X's and O's along with key stats to bring honest and critical analysis, holding nothing back. This week uh, we're continuing our overseas coverage with an interview with James Wade. Uh, Rachel, why don't you uh, take it away? All right, everyone, we are here. We are joined with newly named Chicago Sky head coach James Wade. But one thing that many people may not necessarily understand is uh, his experience, if you will, overseas um, through multiple countries, throughout Europe, throughout you know Belgium, the UK, Russia, all these things. Coach, you've got dual citizenship. We just talked about the fact that you're now learning your third language. Um, you're headed back over there to Russia. You know, I, I, this this entire podcast right now is aimed with the goal of really um, helping educate just the fans, the WNBA fans, um, the people here in the States about what's going on overseas. And so we are so thankful that you're on here, especially being our first guest to get a chance to talk about this stuff. And you are currently an assistant on one of the premier leagues within EuroLeague, um, UMMC. I'm, I'm going to butcher it. So, Coach, how do we even pronounce it? E- is it ECAT? <laughs> Yeah, so that's where they shorten it up and say ECAT, but it's Ekaterinburg. Uh, and, and Yeah, and so some people, you always see the UMMC, that's the English version, and then you'll see UMGK, which is Ugimka, uh, or UGMK, sorry, Ugimka, and it's Ekaterinburg, so that's the Russian version of it, you know. So not only are we, are we educating the fans, we're also giving them a little language class. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And, and coach, like like ECAT is historically one of the most dominant premier um, Russian leagues and teams. I mean, we're, we've looked at players from Maya Moore from, to Diana Tarazi to now currently one of your newly named players, Courtney Vandersloot plays for you. Um, can you talk a little bit about just the history of ECAT? Um, in Russia and, and just the dominance of it um, in EuroLeague within itself. Well, I'm going to throw a shout out uh, to my, to my, uh, my wife. Actually, ECAT, uh, they won their first, you know, uh, they came on the scene really in 2003 when they won their first uh, EuroLeague title and they actually beat my wife's team in the finals after overtime. So, Ooh. you know, yeah, that was <laughs> tough. And I was in the gym watching that. I was in the gym watching it. And uh, so that's when they, they came on the scene and then they went through, uh, some years where they didn't win, and um, they they really came alive. Uh, I say in two thousand uh, two thousand, I want to say thirteen, two thousand thirteen, when they had you know the staff uh, Sandy Brandello and Olaf Lung. They they that was their first second time winning it, and their first time in ten years actually winning it. And then you know it was the it was the age of of Diana Taurasi, and uh, she just. She just led them on, you know, a dominant streak and where they would win two two out of the next uh, four or five championships in EuroLeague. And uh, they ne- they didn't lose a, a Russian League title in that time. And, you know, great players passed through there. Candace Parker, uh, Brittany Griner. I mean, you, the list goes on and on. And um, they've always, you know, put a lot into having the best players at their position. Uh, so so that's that's where we are now. Well, let me ask you this, Coach. How, how did you get involved um, in EuroLeague and ECAT in particular? How, how, how did you even get to that position where now you're in your second year as an assistant? Well, it's, it's a funny situation. Like, you know, the world is the basketball world is so small. Uh, my wife, she actually played for um, – she, she was actually 
they Ekaterinburg kind of recruited her for like two or three two or three times during her career, and she chose not to go for for us so we can be closer uh, together. And um, uh, it so it was weird. Like we never, you know, we was like, okay, we we didn't, you know, choose to go during the time that she was a player because I couldn't be there with her. And now I'm the one that, you know, gets the opportunity to go. And I'm like, come on, come on with me. Come on with me. Right. But uh, uh, Sandy Brondello and Olaf Lund coached my wife at, at San Antonio. And, um, you know, when when they left San Antonio, uh, I think Sandy, she continued to coach in the league, but they had some off time on their hands and they were looking for uh, a different style or a different style of play at Catherine Bird. So they searched the WNBA and they, and they found two credible coaches. And um, they they, you know, offered them contracts. But I all I always had a uh, great relationship with them. And during that 2013 uh, run that they had to to, to the EuroLeague title, um, they actually called me to come and scout uh, for them during the final eight. Um, and, you know, I did. Uh, we won the title and the relationship just stayed strong during that time period. And when Sandy was uh, about to step down because she had uh, national team commitments and she she was going to uh, go full time in Phoenix, um, Olaf asked if I, I would replace her, and I was like, "Sure, why not?" <laughs> wow! So it's interesting. You know, like like the basketball world, like you said, is extremely small, and this yeah. entire world that is going on overseas in these different countries is such a big part of it, especially when it comes to so many people involved with the WNBA coaches. Two players to everyone involved. Can you talk a little bit about um, not necessarily level of competition? Feel free to get into that if you want, but um, the differences between Euroleague versus the WNBA. Um, what are some of the similarities? What are some of the differences? I know this is pretty open ended, but for you, you see both sides of it year round. Um, what are some adjustments that you have to make, and what are some some of the biggest differences that you could just tell your average everyday fan? Uh, I mean, I guess the biggest difference is you, you play in two different leagues. And, and that's a really big difference because uh, in the two different leagues, they have different rules. Uh, the domestic leagues are uh, really, since we're a Russian team, we play in a Russian domestic league where we play against all the Russian teams once a week. And what they're designed to do is really they have uh, certain restrictions and certain protections for the Russian players. Uh, because, and, and, and the same thing goes in Turkey. The same thing goes in France. Because if they didn't have those restrictions, you would just give all your money to the, you know, the 12 best players in the world and, you know, just play them and not really, you know, and not really uh, give that much thought to actually the Russian league, the Russian fans and the Russian players who you're trying to, you know, improve also. Um, and I'm not saying that to say that, you know, uh, the Russian players are not the best players in the world. We actually have uh, some good Russian players on our team that could play that can and does and does play in the WNBA, uh, but you know uh, those restrictions help you uh, protect Russian players and continue to grow the Russian league and the Russian players at the same time when you're playing in the Russian domestic league. Um, the Euro League, which is uh, uh, international uh, league uh, for in, for European players, uh, doesn't have as many restrictions. Uh, you can have uh, Europeans or foreigners with European passports and you can sign as many as you want and um, they they can play uh, up to those restrictions and, and it's a different competition and it's probably a little bit more prestigious because it's countries against countries, you know, so. So I do have to ask, does that mean that you uh, 
in some situations would have a player who wouldn't play in the Russian league on your roster, but would play in Euro league. Yeah. So we have, we actually have, um, we have, uh, seven foreigners. Uh, we have seven foreigners. And when I mean foreigners, like seven foreigners that aren't Russian. Uh, and so we can only play four of those foreigners in the Russian league. So you might, uh, we, and we rotate them. So you might, it might be a game where, you know, uh, BG has put a lot in, in on the court and we might want to rest her because she played, you know, 35 minutes in Euro League and 35 minutes, uh, the game before in Russian League. So the next, next, uh, Russian League game, we might rest her that game. And the same goes for John Coyle Jones or Kayla McBride or Courtney Vandersloot. So, um, that's how we do. It's, it's, it's hard to manage because it's a little bit like, you know, a soccer team or something like that. But, um, you know, it's worth it because at the end of the day, everybody feels involved. So it's pretty cool. They're really professional about it. So, so it sounds like to me, as, as you're playing through these different leagues, I mean, is it kind of, is it, is it comparable to like, um, the women's NCAA season? Like, is that the amount of games that you guys are playing total or do you play more, less than that? It's, it's, uh, uh, in, in when women's NCAA, you give them a cap of like 40 or something like that. I would say mm-hmm. we play a little bit more. I would say we play a little bit more uh, because we also have the Russian Cup and we have other competitions too, uh, like the Super Cup, which is like a, a weekend tournament or, or the Super Cup is just like one game against the last two champions. Uh, so we all, always have these little cups and things that we play for too. So it's probably okay. a, it's probably like five or six more games than the NCAA season. Okay. I'm, I'm curious about Russia in particular. That, that is an interesting place that not a lot of people have had the opportunity to, to experience, let alone live in. What are some of the, the biggest challenges you face, not just necessarily in, Ru- in Russia, but being abroad, whether it's language barriers, we've talked about style play a little bit, even just being an American coach within a different country. Um, you know, do, do people always, are they accepting of that? Uh, what are the challenges you face day in and day out? I mean, well, the difference for me is um, I come in with a different, I, I come in with an open mind, you know, and so it's a little different for me. Um, having been in Europe since 2000, early 2000, 2001, um, uh, I understand the differences, the language barrier, the language gaps and, you know, understanding and, and listening and uh, taking uh, certain things in consideration that sometimes foreigners, they get off the plane, they don't take into consideration. Uh, so. Um, that's an experience within itself. Um, you know, like it's, 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 it's difficult because, uh, everybody has pride in their country. And when you come, uh, when you don't invest in, in, in that, uh, culture and it can be difficult for you at times, but when you show them, uh, that you're invested, then they always have open arms, you know? So it's, it's, that's the cool part. Um, the language barrier is always a thing. Uh, but, uh, Ekaterinburg has always been, uh, good about, you know, having, um, everybody has their translator. So it's, it's pretty cool. That, that part's cool. Um, and, and then just being the time difference, you know, I'm, I'm 10 hours from, from central time, 10 hours different mm-hmm. from central time. So, you know, the good thing about me is I don't sleep. So it's not a big thing, you know, uh, <laughs> right. it's not a big thing, but, but a good trade of a head coach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but, but for some people, it can be difficult because, you know, um, you want to talk to people when you're ready to talk, but they're working and, you know, it's, that can be, that can be tough. That can be tough. And, and, and if you don't have family with you, it can feel isolating that time. But 
that I mean, it's 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 the it's the give and take of it. You're doing something that you love, but you're away from people that you love. So it's tough. It's gonna be tough. So I want to ask a, a few more detailed questions about coaching overseas. The first thing I really want to ask is, from your perspective, how are the expectations different for you as a WNBA coach versus you as a overseas coach? You know, scouting things like that. Um, the the thing is, is that when I when I put myself into a scout, I really put myself into it, and the players will tell you that I'm not going to shortcut it, even if, and sometimes I have to be smart, but because you, you always want to give your all, but some games, you know, um, in, in the Russian league that you're probably going to win by a lot. And, um, you could take shortcuts and, and still be okay. Uh, but me, you know, not, I'm not a perfectionist by no means because I know I'm not going to be perfect, but, um, I, I don't want to shortchange the players. Um, uh, so and I don't want to say, OK, we're going to win this game and I want to respect the game. So I'm going to put everything into a scout, even if I know probably we're going to win by 30 or 40 points. Um, you know, uh, that can be challenged. You can't do that in the WNBA. You can't shortcut even if you wanted to. It's no game you're going to win by 40 or 30 mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, going into the game. You know, sometimes the forces align and you have these blowout games, but uh I've been in situations where we beat a team by 30 and we come back the next week and they beat us by 20. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. how the WNBA is. And that's how it's competitive every night. Um, us having the roster that we have in the Catherineburg, um, sometimes it's going to be games that we know we're going to win by a lot, but um, you have to motivate the players because um, you have to learn every game that, you know, we have to, we have to have a connectivity that we're getting better every game because it's not just today that we're playing for. We're playing for that weekend in April uh, where it's probably going to be tough because everybody's going to – it's one game and you're out in the Euroleague Final Four. And so it starts now. Wow. You know, you know. Yeah. So something I did want to talk about, speaking about Euroleague, um, and I think you and Rachel kind of touched on this in an earlier question, but the style of play obviously is going to be slightly different. Can uh-huh. you talk a little bit about – you know, the stereotypes of Russian league style of play, Turkish league, because in the Euro League, you're playing some of the best teams from across all of Europe. So you're probably seeing all these different styles of play. Well, the, the thing is, is that what's popular now in Europe, what's really popular now in Europe, and, and especially when it's basketball, is is the Spanish style of play. Uh, last, last year, yes. uh, <laughs> la, la, last, last year, last year in the final four, three of the four coaches, even they weren't, they they weren't coaches in Spain. Uh, three of the four head coaches in the Final Four were Spanish coaches, and um, uh, and and that's that's really like a, a really fluid. It's really fluid offense. It's not like it's not really like us when the ball is always in your best player's hand. They they really the ball moves and you have movement, just constant movement, constant movement. It's something that we like to say here, but we don't do as much as they they really do it because. Uh, with that Spanish style, with that Spanish style of play with the ball, having so much movement and you have multiple options, um, everybody's a threat more so uh, to create. Everybody's a threat to create. Um, I think here we want the ball in our best player's hand to create. Even though the ball moves, it moves to those players for them to create closeouts or for them to create offense. Um, there it's it can be different where, you know, it can be your fifth option that's attacking a closeout to create for your best player. 
and it, you know, it's different. It's different. You know, it's different. Um, the same, you know, benefits, but it's, it's very different. Coach, thank you so much for your time, getting to pick your brain a little bit about just being overseas. Um, there's so much to talk about. We could go on for hours about this, but um, you're a busy man. You've got a lot going on. And, and as we understand, actually headed back to Russia this weekend. So safe travels to you and best of luck to you this season. Uh, we'll be following. We'll be promoting you guys and getting you out there as much as possible so the fans over over here can follow along. But thank you for the insight. Thank you for the knowledge. We appreciate it and looking forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me.